Welcome, welcome, curious souls, to the Macabre Emporium, your sanctuary for the unusual, the mysterious, and the appalling. Step through our cryptic doorway into a world where secrets whisper and enigmas come to life. I'm David. And I'm Sarah. Together, we're your custodians of the macabre, guiding you through tales that defy the ordinary. Discover the untold stories, from lesser-known cases of true crime to the bizarre events that captivate us. Join us on a journey to the shadows where the mainstream fades and the extraordinary beckons. So whether you seek the bizarre, the eerie, or the chillingly obscure, you're in for a treat here at Macabre Emporium. Welcome back to Macabre Emporium. This is episode 48. And if this is your first time joining us from Hillbilly Horror Stories, welcome. Welcome. So yeah, if you're wondering what that's about, for our regular listeners, Sarah and I, if you remember, we went to the Bell Mansion back in September, and we met with Jerry and Tracy Polly of Hillbilly Horror Stories, and that little, I guess you could say, foot in the door there led to us going on and having an interview with Jerry about Macabre Emporium. Yeah. So, Sarah's puckered butthole, you know, Sarah's puckered butthole being put at risk of, you know, possession by ghosts at the Bell Mansion was totally <laughs> worth it at this point. But also, if you wonder why I sound so goddamn muffled today, it's because... He's got the vid! Yay! I got the spicy cough again, but I'm sitting here with the face mask on with Sarah because at first we thought about doing this, just having her doing an introduction, but last minute we was like, you know what, I'll wear gloves, put a face mask on, keep us as far as part as possible can with our boot, with our mic stands and whatnot. Yeah. So, she's, we're doing social distancing and all that right now to record, so don't come at me, putting her in risk. She works in a fucking germ crock pot all day anyhow as it is. Yes, I do. <laughs> fucking crock pot, for so, sure. So yeah, this interview is what I was so anxious about for, what, over a week? Yeah. That some of you knew about, and you guys like, "What's your problem?" I was like, "I'll tell you. Know, I'll tell you in about a week. I don't want to ruin it." So this was it. So we're not doing a regular episode of sorts. Sarah's... We kind of are. Yeah, I will be doing a um, piece that David had sent to me actually, yeah. and then we'll play out the Hillbilly yeah. Horror Stories interview for yeah. you. It's not going to be a very long piece. It's still to bring you some Christmas lore from another country. Yep. We still wanted to bring you guys that. And, you know, some of these new listeners might have already heard our interview, but if they liked it enough, they'll listen to it again. Yeah. <laughs> so you're ready to get started? Yep. So our next stop on the creepy Christmas train is to Wales. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is an article that I'm just going to read directly off of Wales.com. In the darkest months of the Welsh year, a white horse appears, the mysterious menacing Mary Lloyd. Journalist Jude Rogers steps into one of Wales' most eerie midwinter traditions and uncovers the origins and regional variations of the Mary Lloyd. You'll never forget the moment you see a Mary Lloyd. She has lights or baubles for eyes. Her mane is made of colorful streamers or holly and ivy. A white cloak falls from her skull, which is attached to a pole, which is held by a person inside it. They control the character's mischievous nature, often snapping their bony jaw at you. The origins of Mary's name are, like the horse itself, deeply mysterious. One Welsh tradition of it, Grey Mare, connects it to the heritage of pale horses in Celtic and British mythology. That was hard. Many of whom can cross over to the underworld. The other translation for Mary Lloyd is Grey Mary. Some scholars have linked her to a legend connected to the nativity story. A pregnant horse set out to the stables. When Mary arrived to have Jesus, she spent dark days roaming the land trying to find somewhere new to have a foal. Many Mary fans 
believe the character to have come from pre-Christian pagan origins, however. This is impossible to prove, but there's definitely something timelessly terrifying about her. Mary is taken around a village traditionally, often between Christmas Day and Twelfth Night. She is dressed with festive lights and decorations and is usually accompanied by an ostler in some regions like Estadgrenlice, in the Swansea Valleys, other folk characters like a jester and a lady. This brings the tradition closer together with the Mummers plays, a traditional performance by the working classes in the 18th century. When the groups get to a house, they sing Welsh language songs or wassails, or more more traditionally indulge in a ritual called ponko. I'm not entirely sure how you say that. I'm like, here, Sarah, you read this for this episode. And they should you, like... You, you tell me. P-W-N-C-O. I can't tell you about the other word that you weren't sure about that's wassailing. Wassailing? Yes, wassail. Wassail? Because it came up in a Christmas episode last year. <laughs> well, fucking wassail. Anyways, that word, P-W-N-C-O, is an exchange of rude rhymes with the person who lives there. That's why you said it was like... Rap, ba- like rap, rap, battles. rap battles with a horse skull. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. If the Mary, if the Mary and her gang get entry, the household is said to have good luck for the year. The Mary is well known to be mischievous, trying to steal things and chase people she likes, and she goes about her bidding after that. The first written record of the Mary Lloyd is in J. Evans' book from 1800 called A Tour Through Part of North Wales, although the tradition is best known for its practice in Glam- Glamorgan and Gwent. Some of these names, I swear. I'm sure if you pronounce them wrong, Ben will message me about it or say something <laughs> to the group. I'm going to say them as white as I can. It's same as American as we can. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. It has similarities to other hooded animal customs in Britain, like the hootening in Kent, the broad in the Cotswolds, and the old tup in Derbyshire, which involved a group of poor people trying to find food and money in the harsh depths of the winter. Entertainment was their method, with a side portion of menace. That dead horse's skull appearing in shadow at your door. Welsh Methodists and other Christian nonconformists criticized the Mary Lloyd in the 19th century. The Blanau-Gwent-based Baptist minister, Reverend William Roberts, called her sinful in his 1852 book called The Rebellion of the Dark Ages. Because how dare we have spooky fun all year round. Right. By parading around a horse skull on a stick. Mm -hmm. Although he also transcribed 20 verses of the Mary's performance, helping to disseminate the tradition. In the 1930s and 1940s, Welk folklorist Iworth Pete found the practice still alive in Cardiff, Bridgend, and Langenwid. Langenwid? L-L-A-N-G-Y-N-W-Y-D. I'm pretty sure that was Langenwid. Maybe I should have read this after all. Because I have all the UK stories, so I find it easier to pronounce a lot pronounce a lot of these names for uh, you. Maybe. Neath and other parts of Glamorgan, despite fears that it was starting to die. Welsh poet Vernon Watkins even wrote a long poem about her in 1941 called The Ballad of the Mary Lloyd. After hearing a radio broadcast about the ritual in Gwylady Garth a village just north of Cardiff. His words beautifully capture the Mary Lloyd's frightening aspect. The living are defended by the rich warmth of the flames which keep that loneliness out, his poem goes. Terrified, they hear the dead tapping at the panes, then they rise up, armed with the warmth of firelight. Only a few Mary processions were left by the 1960s, including the Pencode near Bridgend and Pentridge near Cardiff. 
But later that century, Lantrezant Folk Club revived the tradition as a dig, as did a family in Langwind. Is that what you said? Pretty sure that's what it is. Near Maesteg, who still visit the old house inn in the village with their Mary today. Three generations of landlords have now hosted them. Other popular celebrations also happen in the new year at Chepstow after a break in 2020. Gelianen Chapel on a mountainside near Pontardaw. Lanzoy in rural Monmouthshire. Dinas Maudwudwi. These are the worst names ever. So we learned today that if it's a you know Welsh article, then don't make off. Sarah read don't it. Don't let Sarah read them. I'm better <laughs> off doing it. Apparently, uh, yeah. And at the London Welsh Centre, Marys are also popping up at the local midwinter events, lantern festivals, and wassels. Their bubbles glowing in their eyes, the tradition shining with new life. So don't have nightmares. Let yourself be taken in by the darkness and go with Mary Lloyd towards the light. I wonder if Bobbles isn't just another way for them to say googly eyes. Bobbles would be like glass balls or something, but kind of googly (coughs) eyes. Yeah. Yeah, so me and Welsh names don't fucking coincide. We don't don't mesh. Right? Apparently so. Fuck. And she's the one that reads more than I do. Yeah. That was stupid. I will never, after trying to read that, I will never read a book that's based in Wales. Yeah. Because I figured, hey, we'll have her read it because she's more versed and I'm feeling like crap right now. And now I'm thinking I probably should have made the attempt. Nah, it's alright. At least they'll get laughs out of me trying to pronounce shit that doesn't look like it should be something that's pronounced. Oh, I'm sure, you know, Ben and some of our other listeners in other parts of the world that, you know, are from the United Kingdom will probably get a laugh at it. So please go ahead and tell me how badly I fucked up, but don't be an asshole about it. Be funny. (laughs) What? With that said, we're... For the rest of this episode, it's going to be our interview with Jerry from Hillbilly Horror Stories. Yay, Jerry. Enjoy and make sure, if you haven't, that you go and check out Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey guys, I am here with David and Sarah from the Macabre Emporium podcast. Had a chance to meet these two when we did our live event up in uh, Fort Wayne at the... uh, the mansion up there. And if that place wouldn't spook you enough, we had all kinds of people around us that do paranormal podcasts as well. So the bell mansion uh, was alive that night to say the, to say the least. Uh, David, Sarah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for thank having you. us. Let's do this for anyone who hasn't listened to macabre Emporium. If you was to describe it, the podcast to them, David, how would you describe it? The Macabre Emporium podcast is basically built on the foundation of having stories of the lesser known true crime stories. So you will not hear the true crime stories of Jeffrey Dahmer, Richard Ramirez, and so on. We have what we call compiled is this big six list, which is Dahmer, Gacy, Ted Bundy, David Berkowitz, Richard Ramirez, and Ed Kemper. So any of serial killers or true crime cases that are as big as those, we won't... We are not going to cover them in any way. They might be brought up as a point of reference. Oh, this is, for example, oh, this is like so-and-so. And that's all you're ever going to hear. Their name is ever dropped on our show, basically. Sarah does mostly true crime. I do some true crime from time to time. But as I've joked on some of our previous episodes, when I do true crime, it goes from zero to 100 real fast. <laughs> for example, like a true crime case from our home state of Indiana, uh, the Tony Kurtz's case, 
It was also known as the Dead Man's Lane, where he kept a man by the name of Dick Hull tied to a shotgun for three days by, around his neck. And wow. thankfully, it had a peaceful outcome. And the results of his case actually brought nationwide changes to the insanity plea. And on nice. my half of this, yep. And then on my half of the episodes, it's usually more obscure history things or origin stories, like I've done an origin story on how cemeteries were first formed to how we know them as today, origins of birthday traditions and so on, and some weird obscure war stuff, kind of like uh, the Great Dumpling War of Bavaria when a man named of Helmut Winters waged war on the United States and German Air Force by shooting potato dumplings at him because they were flying too low over his house. <laughs> nice. So you will hear a lot of random obscure things from us we don't keep a set stuff we also do some paranormal i've done a case on what's called the ackley house and apparently freddie's twin legosi just decided to join at the table if you happen to hear that jump on it but as i was saying i've done the ackley house which is also known as the house that brought the ghostbusters defense in the state of new york where you have to disclose if a house is haunted or not okay yeah 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 i know that 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 case yeah Cool. But those are some examples of what you would hear on Macab Emporium. I'm going to throw something out at you. Since this is your home state, you're probably familiar with it, being in the line of, of uh, podcast that you are. Are you familiar with the David Cam case? Um, I have not have heard of this one. I'm still fairly new to true crime. I have not heard of it. Well, Dave Cam was the state, uh, the, the, the state police officer who supposedly killed his whole family back 20 years ago or so. Oh. Uh, spent a lot of time in jail uh, and then eventually was released. And they they had found a an, an ex-con and pinned it on him. His name's Charles Bonet, still in prison today. Uh, but Charles Bonet actually worked for me at a point in time. So once they arrested him, I actually had news cameras all over the place. Had no clue why they were showing up that he'd even been arrested. And oh, wow. uh, But I thought... <laughs> I, th- I thought there's a there's a there's a case for you that you can look into and then I actually have a tie into so huh. we, yeah. may, we may use that in the future <laughs> there you go so Sarah what what uh what brought the podcast to light what was it that made you guys decide to do a podcast uh like we'll be taking just little road trips like out to Fort Wayne to see my sister and like David's one of those people he's super smart and he will get on a topic and just continue to talk and talk and talk. And I'm like, with all the knowledge that you have, why don't you do a podcast? And he kind of shrugged it off. And another time out visiting my sister in Fort Wayne, we were on our way back home. And uh, I said it again. And he's like, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. And then we wound up at Sweetwater buying microphones and yep. <laughs> stuff. Just there the kiosk, seeing if we can fill out a card, and you know, yeah. by sheer will of the universe, is like you guys are starting a podcast. Here's a card. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Sweetwater's the place too. I've got a bunch of stuff from Sweetwater, mainly mainly for uh, my guitar and stuff. It's more than the podcast stuff, but Sweetwater's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and yeah. massive. Yeah. Have you ever actually stepped into the actual Sweetwater store before? I have not. Everything I've done has been strictly uh, online oh. through their, oh, through, you through need their to. magazine. It's there in Fort Wayne. So if you find yourself back at the Bell Mansion, make sure you go and visit. Even if it's just for the walkthrough, just so you can yeah. see it's it's worth the visit. 
I saw some video from inside and it looked pretty damn awesome. Oh, it is. David, what's the, what's been your favorite case that you've covered so far? Oh, that's like a hard one for me, really. Because I say, oh, this is my favorite case or topic. And then when I do the next one, because Sarah Giggle uh, judges how well my weird history or just history in general story is going to be by how much giggling there is from my desk going on. Yeah. So I think maybe right now, currently would probably when I did the Attack of the Dead Men for our October episodes, which was from World War One when the, the men of Osovich Fortress were under a gas attack from the German forces of a mixture of chlorine and bromine, excuse me, bromine. And then the remaining 100 out of the 946 rose up basically from the dead and pushed 7,000 German forces back. Damn. And they had this appearance of zombie lakes because their tears were stained with blood. They're wheezing because their lungs are being burned from the inside out from the chlorine and bromine gas mixture. So they had this appearance of zombies and a lot of the German forces ran in terror from these Russian forces and they were able to push them back to their starting front line. So it was just Crazy. the shoe. Yeah. The sure will and determination that they had to go out on their own terms is so far one of the fa- my favorite stories I've done, but for true crime, um, it came more of a passion project over time as I did it. And that would be the Bath Township disaster of uh, Bath, Michigan, just North of Lansing. We ended up meeting with some of the children of the survivors of that incident, and they are absolutely thrilled that people like Sarah and I are telling their story from almost 100 years ago. It's been 96 years when it happened on May 18th, 1927. A man by Andrew Philip Kehoe decided to bomb a schoolhouse that was just recently built in the last five years with 900 pounds of dynamite and pyrotol because he just didn't want to pay his property taxes on it, and he lost his family farm because of it. He ended up killing over 40, 40 people, 40, 37 of them were children out of the 226 population of the school itself. I There's a gentleman, I can, I, an author, I cannot remember his name, but he wrote a book based on that, that incident. And I actually had him on the show a couple of years ago. And yeah, that was, a, that's just one of those stories that are just like, I ah, just, it just lets you know how evil some people are. Right. And before we did the final part of it, we made the decision to go up to Bath to meet, to see their museum, to see some of the artifacts so we can actually touch the ground and get involved with it. And when it did that, it's become less better, lack of a better word, I guess you could say, is a passion project for me to learn as much as I can to carry on the story of Bath Township for these people. Most people don't realize in in 2027, they are trying to hope it have it open by then is to have a separate museum building to mimic the school that they had to tell the story of Bath Township schools with all of their history, the disaster itself, and have it be a community center. On the grounds yeah. of yes. the actual school. And they want, like as Sarah said, they, the actual grounds where the original school was is across the street from the middle school, currently where the museum is housed, which they also want to incorporate part of the original foundation, which you can still see in the through the grass if you visit there wow and that book by the way in case somebody is interested it's called maniac by harold Schechter. he's the one that actually came on and talked about it uh so there's 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 a book if somebody wants to learn a little more besides listening to your podcast coincidentally uh, i have that book i have just about every book i just have about every book that's available (laughs) 
Uh, one thing that is available online that most people don't realize it's from the web archives. If you ever look up Bath Township, the book written by Monty Ellsworth, he actually wrote this book as a way to sell a souvenir of everything because he was originally selling parts of the school and his gas station as a souvenir for people that came through Bath, but he had a change of heart. So he wrote this book on the whole thing itself. And you can find the book in its entirety without the pictures online under the web archives. Oh, nice. Sarah, what would be your favorite topic that you guys have covered so far? Um, I think on my end, I don't know that I have, I would have a favorite, but I definitely know one that sticks out in my mind as being extremely hard for me to get through. And that was the case of Cherish Periwinkle in Florida. She was, how was she? How old was she? 11, nine, something like that. I don't remember. Um, but her mom basically met a man in a Dollar Tree and he offered to take them to Walmart with a gift card and buy them anything they wanted. So she hopped herself and her kids in this man's van and then he took off out of Walmart with Cherish and horrid things happened to her and she died. Yeah, it was, I had a really, really tough time doing that one. I can understand that. That's you know, yeah. there's certain stories out there. You know, we did Albert Fish, and that that was one that was just like when you start getting into details of what that man did, it's like hard to get through. But you know, there are certain stories that I won't even attempt to cover because it's just you know, and one of them is in your home state, the Sylvia Lichen story. I did that um, one. Sarah actually yeah. did that for our third episode. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's one that that's I just I just don't think I can do it. And then there's there's one and I didn't think that I would ever hear a story worse than that one. And but then that story came out of um uh oh I can't remember somewhere over in Asia, I want to say it was Japan or China with the, the young lady that was kept uh by the, the teenagers from, from her high school and tortured right. and I think that story actually is worse, which is I didn't think it even be the case, but it was. I can't remember her name, but I know exactly which case you're talking, which case you're talking about. I just can't remember her name. Yeah, yeah that's another, a, anything involving no. torture is just especially slow torture. And right. that's just ones that that just yank at my heart. Well, with that being said, uh, warning on that, I would not look into David Parker Ray, the Tory Box killer. If you oh, no. Enough- yeah, that's we. That's another one I won't touch. That's pretty bad. What uh, do you find that doing these stories and looking into some of these that are really dark cases? How do you find that it affects your overall mood? Do you sometimes just say, you know, I need to step back for a little bit, or do you become uh, desensitized to it? I haven't become desensitized. I don't think. Um... Yeah, I I don't think I have just because of the fact of how badly I was affected by Cherish. And I don't have children. Right. And I was severely affected by this one. When I was reading it, like David had to give me a couple minutes before I started the portion that I was getting to, which was the very graphic details that I listened to for almost an hour, hour and a half on YouTube of the medical examiner's testimony like every single injury on this child. And yeah, that, that was pretty awful, (laughs) but 
I, yeah, I don't think it's desensitized me at all. No. Let's see, unlike Sarah, I've kind of had some training like that because I did spend almost 10 years in the fire service at one point in my life. So I've used to seeing the trauma up, up close in, face, in my face, I guess you could say. But I want to say I'm completely... Hold on. Let go see that. Freddy's twin is digging around in a plastic bag at the moment. We're trying to get him out of it. Yeah, it's just a matter of time before my Freddy's in here. He's already knocking <laughs> at the door and he can open that door. So yeah. We just leave our door open because we know they're gonna paw in under it. So and scream. Yeah. But as I was saying, I'm not saying you could say I'm desensitized. I'm more of know how to handle it better than Sarah does because of my time I spent in the fire service. Seeing the trauma from motor vehicle accidents, people being burned, so on and so forth. So I've seen it before. I know what to expect, but there is one case that I had done, which was my very first true crime case of James Huberty of San Ysidro that shot that did a mass shooting in a McDonald's in 1984. And I watched the documentary seven, 77 minutes on it, and it showed the video from San Diego Police Department's investigation and the, the way everybody was laid out, the pools of blood, everything. And one of the unfortunate victims of that was not even a year old yet and they ended up showing that and that's when i had to stop take a minute and that's so far for me has been the worst one for me to i needed to stop but i i had that same the only time i can really say that it's happened was when i was looking at the uh, uh crime scene photos from the west memphis three with the with mm. the children there. Mm -hmm. That's 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 the one time where I had to say, uh, you know, I kind of wished I hadn't went this far on it. Yeah. That's a pretty wicked case. I think, you know, I can handle gory scenes. Uh it, it it's it just adds more to it when it's children involved. Yeah, that's what it is for me too. I was like, eh, I can handle this. Unfortunately, I've actually had seen a child like that in my own personal experience in the fire service so i think that's what kind of triggered it to me in that because a lot of that came floating back when i saw some of that footage before in the past yeah and i don't think it matters how much training you got sometimes something's just going to overwhelm you yeah and the guys that i worked with i always said it was always kids that always got on the worst grown adults not a big deal but always when it came down to kids that's when they would start feeling emotions because a lot of them had children of their own yeah, but that's the key. Is it just makes you think about your own kids. It always goes back to that. What is uh what do you what do you hope to accomplish with the podcast? I mean, is there is there at some point in time do you look into trying to uh, possibly help to solve some unsolved crimes? Is it something that you just want to keep doing the podcast and 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 just uh bring awareness to certain cases is there is there any bigger plans for macabre emporium than what it is right now you want to answer that one well sarah actually has covered a un well not really unsolved or would you say it is unsolved it's yeah. unsolved cold case uh, yep. of katrina maori mm -hmm. and i mean if we end up possibly building all resources to do that we might be able to look into possibly maybe helping out with that at some point yeah um, probably not to the same scale as, you know, the mutual friend of ours, Justin, mm -hmm. with everything that he does. But, you know, as of right now, it's mostly to bring awareness to lesser known cases like Bath Township, as I brought up earlier. 
and how excited they were to hear that we drove what almost two hours just to come up there and yeah. meet them they were shocked that we did that yep. they're like you guys drove that far just to see us i'm like yes we did because we then explained the cob emporium to them mm-hmm. and they were absolutely like i said they are also absolutely thrilled to know that people are sharing their story yeah. because they didn't have the mental health awareness and resources like we do now that their parents didn't have it it was just man up be quiet about it, don't talk about it so a lot of that's lost to history a lot of the major details of that whole thing's lost we're never going to get those back no and I, I i remember you saying that you went up there and, and met with uh uh some of those people and that's what made me think that maybe you might have had bigger aspirations than what you're currently doing well we really started this just you know for something for us to do i mean we collect final records at times but that can get quite expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. so can this, but this is something we can invest in and continue on. And it doesn't take up as much space as a vinyl record collection does. And we're having fun doing yep. it. It's time that we get to spend together. And when we go in and we tell our our stories, David doesn't ever tell me what he's working on. And I don't tell him what I'm working on. So we're both like mutually in the dark. Nice. So we learn when we're, you know, sitting here recording. Yeah. So it's very obscure what we give. It's like, oh, I'm doing true crime. I'm doing an origin this week or something along those lines. Yeah. Like we'll give each other a time period so we can kind of try and stay cohesive. Doesn't always work, but (laughs) it is what it is. If I flip through your vinyl record collection, what kind of names am I going to see in there? A lot of obscure names for me that you're probably never going to hear, hear of. Um, a lot of metal for me. Mm-hmm. And you probably, one name you probably hear off, you know, you probably know Wells and Dewey Brothers. They have like their greatest hits, volumes one and two. That's Sarah's rolling her eyes at me because <laughs> I have those. But from Sarah's side of the collection, you probably hear more names of hers. A lot of uh, New Wave and Alternative, Susie and the Banshees, The Cure, The Pixies, that kind of stuff. Yeah, nothing wrong with those. Nice. I used to, uh, years ago, I had a nice vinyl record collection and my mother threw most of them out when I moved out of the house, not realizing, not realizing I had an original 45 of yesterday by the Beatles and she threw it away. I also had an original uh, 45 of Hey Jude that got thrown away. And I had an original Sgt. Pepper's album with the cardboard cutouts that came with them. That got thrown away. I'd hate to even think what those things would be worth today. Oh, I'm sure. Probably a good little chunk of money. (laughs) I I, I bet those three together would probably be probably worth anywhere from $500 to $1,000 minimum. Well, I mean, if you had a David Bowie Diamond Dogs original cover, yeah, you would have quite a big number of, quite a big number there on that one. Most of the most of the stuff that I had back in the day probably wouldn't amount to anything. It was just whatever was big, you know, like uh, Minute Work. I had, a, you know, there are three albums and stuff. I had a bunch of of the newer stuff, but the the I was a huge Beatle fan even from the time that I was 11, 12 years old. So I, that was the that was what I really was focusing on. And when I started getting 16, 17, you know, I'd flop down money on stuff that was an original just because I wanted to have it 30 years later, 40 years right. later. Mm-hmm. But we seen that didn't happen. So <laughs> but some of the names that 
you would hear from me, you would hear from on my side of the collection is a guitar player by the name of Shicky Graves, another one that's known as the Reverend Peyton and the Big Damn Band. They are actually from Indiana as well with us. You're gonna hear see Slipknot, Mudvayne, a band called Avatar from Sweden, Lorna Shore, which is up and coming in the That's metal on my scene. side, by the way. Oh, that is true, yeah. <laughs> They're kind of getting mixed in right now at this point. I would think so. I would think so. Yeah. Well, guys, if if uh, people wanted to check out the podcast and keep up with you on social media, what's the best way to do it? Um, Probably the Facebook group. Yep. Just search Macabre Emporium Podcast on Facebook. You're going to find us. If you did just Google search Macabre Emporium Podcast or just Macabre Emporium itself, yep. you're going to find, You'll find it. We're like at the first page, of, we're the entire first page of Google at this point. Nice. With all the other things we've done with all the social medias, we've now also started to do some Twitch streaming on Wednesday nights for the yeah. same day we release our episodes. So, yeah, we've like basically embraced all social media platforms almost at this point. Except for Instagram. I just, something about it, I just can't stand Instagram. No. So, <laughs> you're going to find us anywhere but Instagram, apparently. Yeah. So, I had thought she like. was doing one. Yeah. I thought she was doing one, but apparently not. I started one and then I was like, no, I'm good. We're good. <laughs> I'm not doing this. Guys, it's been a pleasure having you on. It was a, it was fun meeting you and getting to spend uh, several hours with you up at the Bell Mansion. Well, uh, yes. it, so it's it's been a blast. I wish you continued success with the, uh, the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. See, the thing is, Sarah was so unsure about going up there. To the mansion? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. She was completely terrified from the soon as we parked to by the time we left. Probably from the moment you said, hey, I'm getting tickets and we're going. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was not prepared. It's quite the place, though. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And there's definitely some stuff going on there. There's no, no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. If anybody that would be a skeptic, there, I would say that is the place you need to go to get a better opinion on things definitely another place in uh, in the indiana side that i would tell anybody who's a skeptic is the uh is uh whispers estate uh that place i've had more i had more activity in whispers estate than i had the last 10 places i was was at combined where is that it's in Mitchell, Indiana which is closer to uh southern indiana closer to louisville it's probably like i think I don't know, 45 minutes from Louisville, something like that. Okay, we're at the very other end of the state. We're about 45 minutes away from Notre Dame is where we're at. Yeah. Oh, okay, so you're, you're just a little bit just from, below uh, Michigan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, less yep. than 20 minutes we're in Michigan is where we're at. We're about okay. as far north as you can get. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and that's, that's almost as far south as you can get. So <laughs> that and the Rhodes, Rhodes Hotel, love both of them. Hmm. Maybe a road trip someday. Maybe. Yeah, you could hit both. You could hit both of them literally on the same trip. So, well, guys, it's been a blast, and I'll be uh, talking to you soon. All right, All right thank, thank you. you for having us on. You're welcome. Go listen to Macabre Emporium and be nice. Leave them a good five star review and tell in the review that you heard them on Hillbilly Horror Stories. Please go and check out our website at macabemporiumpodcast.com. Join our Facebook group by searching Macabre Emporium. Like and subscribe on YouTube at Macabre Emporium Podcast. Follow us on TikTok at Macabre Emporium Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Macabre Emporium. 
If you have any stories of the paranormal, your local true crime, or weird history that you would like us to look into and possibly do an episode on, email us at macabremporiumpod at gmail.com. And remember to follow, rate, review, and share whenever and wherever you can to help us grow our podcast.